This is Jonathan Mickles with the Strategic Multifamily Investing Podcast, and I have with me today, Mr. Daniel Woodford. How you doing, Daniel? Good, Jonathan. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Well, listen, thank you very much for uh, getting with us. We had to reschedule like four or five times <laughs> in order to get you. I'm glad we still were able to, uh, to get on your busy calendar, and um, I'm looking forward to the conversation. So, um, to start right out, give me uh, the name of your company and, and kind of how did you get into multifamily? Yeah, so, so the name of, of my company is Mission Bay Capital Partners. And um, I, I really started, uh, to be quite frank, I started in single families and it, you know, it was a kind of a transition from there. Um, I was uh, at the time in the military, uh, getting ready to retire and uh, was looking for you know, a way to, to kind of um, transition out of the military and then move into kind of the civilian world. And, um, and I just figured out that, you know, I just, it, it just, it was just one of those things where real estate was a thing that I keyed in on. And, and that's what, how I wanted to pursue it. Uh, did single families in Baltimore <clears throat> and uh, probably about three or four years. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Fix and flips in Baltimore. Yeah, it was fix and flips. It was, uh, we were fix and hold for rentals um, and, um, you know, wholesales and just the whole gamut of what, you, you know, what individuals or investors do with single family. So and so- Part of some RIAs at the time as well, real estate investment associations? Not really. No, I've never really, you know, I've never really been a part of those types of things. Um, you know, I would pop in every once in a while, but I never, you know, I never really joined up or anything, I guess I, guess I would say, but- but yeah, I mean, I, I was doing that, and um, and uh, uh, there was a seminar that came into town into Baltimore about a sing, single family um, s seminar, and it was put on by Dave Lindahl. And for for all of us that kind of know Dave Lindahl, he's he's you know he's a multifamily guru guy, and I didn't I didn't even know it at the time. I didn't know, and and so at the end of the at the end of the seminar, I was like, okay, so who wants to sign up for this single family platform? And I turned to a guy next to me and I said, hey, what do you think? And he said, well. If I'm going to spend the money, I'm going to go ahead and join the multifamily program. So I'm like, well, I've kind of done everything I could do here, really, uh, in the single family space. Um, you know, we've we've kind of or, you know did a lot of transactions, and and one of the things I realized was I just couldn't scale it. You know, I couldn't control the value of the buildings once I got them done and get put them on the market. And mm -hmm. so it was a natural transition for us. And so we moved we moved over to multifamily and, and uh, joined that program. How many units did you have single family? We probably did about over a three-year uh, uh, course. We probably did about thirty transactions, and then we're all, you know, fixing. You know, some some were fixing flips, some were fixing hold, and you know, some were trans, you know, were uh, wholesales. So. Yeah, that the Baltimore area is kind of tough because literally it's a block by block kind of comp. You know, I remember working with um, an associate. Well, he was one of my clients, and he was working in Baltimore. And I think uh, he was a, he was a friend of uh, Michael Blanc, um, mm -hmm. the multifamily. And Michael Blanc was doing something literally, I think, two blocks away or a block away. Yeah. yeah. And my client won money, and I think Michael may have lost money at that time because it yeah. literally was a, or vice versa. It was literally a block by block situation. Yeah, you definitely had to know a block by block. That's for sure. And anyway, we were in we were in Baltimore every weekend. You know all day long just kind of scouring the various different neighborhoods getting to know the you know the areas and that kind of stuff so yeah it's 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 certainly it's definitely block by block yeah and, and for for those who are listening if you're single family if you're going to do some comps right you do of course the the year the number of bedrooms the number of bathrooms and if you're not in an urban city like baltimore say washington dc you can go out a mile 
But if you're in a city, you can go out maybe three tenths of a, of a mile, right? That's about three blocks. So the block is about a tenth of a mile. But again, <laughs> if you're in Baltimore, you know Baltimore. So That's you right. moved over to Lind uh, Dave Lindahl. Did you join a coaching program or did you just do one of his courses? Yeah, I, I joined the coaching program. Uh, we did the coaching program for a year. Um, joined up in, uh, it was in 2013, right when I was getting ready to retire from the military. Um, and I, I think I started. What branch? Right, I'm sorry. Air Force. Yeah, Air Force. Air Force. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So thank you for your service. But thank you, you appreciate to it. And went on in. Or? Yeah, about to retire. And, um, you know, in October of 2013 is when we actually started our coaching program. We actually closed a deal in December of that same year. So two or three months later. And so we were pretty, pretty excited. Um, you know, we, we, you know, you know, gung ho didn't know anything, hardly anything yet. We were just still learning. And uh, luckily, luckily the market was such that it was actually, you know, it was, it was still, it was still um, on the upward uh, uh, tick even back then. And we ended up getting out of that one um, in about a year and a half, made a, a good profit, a really good profit. And um, so pause, there's a lot of questions here. How many okay. was it in okay. and where was it? Was it in Baltimore? No, this was in Richmond. Yeah, it was in Richmond. Yeah. So it was it was 40 units and uh, it was it was in Richmond. And um, at the time we, we had three three investors. Um, OK, so you syndicated it or was this a JV? It was a JV. Yeah. OK, cool. OK. So, so we did that as a JV, uh, made a good chunk of change there and, and just did a 1031 exchange into our next project in Richmond, which was a 98 unit. Oh, that's okay. So, so, so there's a lot of O's here because that's a, that's a, that's a lot because sometimes what happens when you have a, a team and you're, you're, you know, working together, you know, everybody may not necessarily want to 1031 together into another property. So some people want to cash out and get their money and move on. But to, you know, you, you all must have been really tight in order to be able to say, we're going to just take all of this money, even though there's three of us, and then 1031 into another to defer taxes, right? It's not uh, to not pay taxes. It's a tax deferral program. And That's so right. tax deferred from 40 units into 98 units. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So what? So what was your model? Were you doing value add, or you were looking at stabilization, or you were just doing better management? What was your? Uh, it's kind of kind of all of the above. I mean, really, it starts with the value add part of it, um, and then uh, you know, for for that forty unit, it was uh, some minor interior upgrades. Um, it was doing some exterior upgrades, and um, and and just management at the time. And, and really we barely got, we, we barely got around to, we didn't even get to the interior upgrades at that point. Uh, we bought, we bought the property at 27 a door and then we ended up selling it for almost 35 a door and we just moved on. And so, yeah. yeah. So you left meat on the bone and moved on. Yeah. We left meat on the bone and they moved on. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's good. So, so then let me ask you this question. You obviously had a great group of people, you know, two other people that, um, you know, you were able to partner with. How did you find them? Did you find them through Dave Lindahl's program or, you know, how, how did you find these other two people that you could JV with? 
Well, one of the other one of one of the one of the persons was was um, he's he was my business partner and still my business partners. Uh, he, you know, he's we sat next to each other at the Pentagon, you know, while while, while I was there and he was there, too, obviously. And so and then it was just one other investor that we that we knew. So it was just it was a close knit. I mean, you know, close knit group. So. Got, it. Got it. You all knew each other. Well, at least the two of you and business partner. And then yeah. the person is, is pretty simple to kind of get them together. OK, cool. Yeah. So, so then you you got your ninety eight. You got in at twenty seven a door. You sold it at thirty five a door. Made some money. Now you've got this ten thirty one thing. What did you guys do now? Okay, so so the, well, let's back up. That was a forty unit that we that we ten thirty one into the ninety eight that we bought for twenty seven. We bought the forty. We bought the ninety eight unit at fifty five a door, and we ended okay. up three years later selling that one for seventy two or seventy three a door. Um, so again, the market was, and, and again, we, we, we only upgraded maybe 10 units of the entire building and, um, and, um, you know, it's just, it's just the way the market was and, and, and still the market is really, is very tight. And so, um, you know, Richmond is one of those markets that's really, that's really taken off. Uh, and it's been that way for, for several years now. So, but, um, but yeah, that's how it was. And then, um, from there, now all of a sudden, people started taking a serious. You know, we, we bought a almost a hundred unit there, and then the next project we jumped, we immediately jumped into a, a two hundred eleven unit down in Georgia. And wow. so um, that's kind of how you know the, the transition. The, the key, and and, I, and one of the things that I like about, I mean, I like all of you know several programs, and you know, I you know I advocate for several programs. You know, but but you know, you know, obviously I, I came up with the Lindahl program. The other one I like is Michael Blanc, and and you know, both of them really focus on, okay, you got to get that first one under your belt, right? And once you get that first one in your belt, things start, things start moving. People start, you start getting a name out there. People start knowing who you are um, from brokers to investors to those types of folks. And then all of a sudden things start snowballing. So the really, the key, that's, that's the key, I think. That's, 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 that's a really good thing. So then my question is right now, you know, we're in, you know, the second half of 2021. Right, we've gone through 2020, the pandemic. Um, we were expecting the market to tank because um, the housing moratorium and you know a lot of other you know investors and you know things like that may not be able to pay the the multifamily notes, et cetera. But that hasn't been the case. You know, there's still been you know very high uh, collections. You know, somewhere in the 90s for most people that I understand. Um, not very much bad debt. Now there have been a couple that I've seen that have gotten some bad debt, and it's in their uh, T T T twelves, right? And they're probably going to sign, you know, um, write those off. But how does someone break in to get their first deal now, where there's so much competition? For example, in the Texas market, and you know this, and for most people who are, um, you know, understand what's been going on. You know, the, the, the process is normally you put an LOI in and then after the LOI, you get the PSA. And then after that, then you do one to maybe 2% due diligence, you know, I mean, uh, EMD and after your, your due diligence, but they're going hard, you know, on the, on the EMDs day one, you know, earnest money deposit is EMD. Uh, and meaning generally there's a time between when you, you've signed and when you've done your due diligence where the earnest money depart, uh, deposit is, is really gets transferred over to, if you will, the, uh, the, the, the seller. But now those things get, get transferred day one. How does someone break into the market with, with all of that going on? 
Yeah, I mean, so there's there's various different strategies. I'll just talk to the uh, right now about the the hard money day one. I mean, there's various different strategies that kind of kind of mitigate that. So you know, I don't want individuals to kind of you know be be uh, you know uh, you know scared away because they hear that because what really happens is. Okay, so you, you, even if you do go hard day one, you negotiate an access agreement so you can get on and start doing some of your due diligence, or if not all of your due diligence, immediately, right? And so, and so while you're negotiating the contract, which could take you know two to three weeks or more often, um, you're in there doing your your due diligence. So when you actually do go hard, you've already done a significant amount of your due diligence, and you feel comfortable to do that. And so that's that's one of the ways that we've gotten around it. I know a lot of people a lot of people do that do it that way, but but uh, that's one of that's one of the strategies. So so don't be afraid of of, of money hard day one. I mean, yeah, you got to move a little faster. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've got to have your team in place. You've got to have your consultants ready to go. Um, but but there's ways to get around. You always got to you know there's always going to be a way to get around around that. And, so and you in that situation you would go hard once you sign the the purchase sale agreement or the PSA. Yeah. But if you've done your due diligence before you sign the PSA. That's right you know what it is you're getting into. And if you find something that's really going to cause, say, maybe a water issue, you know, there's some underground pipes that have burst or whatever, you you know, when you get time to that PSA, either you negotiate or retrade, which you often don't want to do. But if you found something that's really, really crazy, uh, and if the seller is unwilling to, uh, to, to retrade at that point, then you don't have to sign the PSA. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, as soon as we, as soon as we get an acceptance on an LOI, you're absolutely right. Uh, as soon as we get an acceptance on an LOI, we're already bringing in our engineers. We're bringing in our, our contractors, our property management group, and we're doing our unit walks and we're doing, you know, we're, we're doing all of that stuff. And, and one of the main things we're looking at is the, the physical condition assessment. We come in and bring that in all, you know, right, 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 at, right at day one. And so, um, and so like one that we're working on right now, um, we did the exact same thing and we found a structural issue. And, and before we signed the contract, you know, and they weren't happy about it, but before we signed the contract, we were able to negotiate a structural issue and said, hey, no, we, you know, we need to, you know, and here we are negotiating. We don't even have a signed contract yet. And that's never a good position for a seller to be in, you know, but for us, it's a great position, you know, but, mm-hmm. but yeah. So, I mean, there's ways to get around it in other words, but, but you just gotta, you just gotta, you, you know, you've gotta be efficient. And that's excellent. Thank you very much for for addressing that issue of going hard day one. But as a newbie who's who's kind of you know out there, I mean, we at this point in time still do not have, you know, our our first dealers yet. I mean, how what would what what advice would you give give to us? We've gone through the courses, we've gone through all the education. We're talking to people. You know, we're finding and underwriting things, and they're not uh, quite working um, working out. You know, as we initially intended. Uh, how, what are some strategies, some thoughts that you would give off the top of your head to, uh, to for us to to move forward? Yeah. So, so one of the things that I um, that I, I I quickly found out, and I'll, I'll go back to my single family days, and and, sure. and what I quickly found out is that I wanted to be the guy that people were bringing properties to, and not the guy that was always constantly looking for properties. And so the way I did that was I positioned myself as the money person, or I positioned my mainly I positioned myself as the money person, even though I'm a military guy. You know, I don't. You know, military people don't aren't aren't rich. They don't typically don't have a significant amount of capital. But I went and partnered with some people who did have capital, so we were able to, you know, position ourselves as the money people. Now all of a sudden, you know, I'm providing, you know, capital to these guys. Okay, now we got people bringing me properties now. So you want to kind of position yourself that way. Also, that's what we kind of did in the multifamily spaces. Is 
you know, I, I partnered or found individuals with capital, you know, negotiated, you know, uh, you know, not necessarily a formal partnership, but said, hey, if I find something, you want to partner with me on, on something like this. And, you know, these are guys that are out there that can either A, raise a significant amount of capital or have, you know, have capital, you know, available that's liquid. And so and, and that's what we did. And now, um, did, you, did you talk about equity? upfront in terms of how you would do those things because you know you know raising capital now the the laws are a little bit different than say maybe 2013 you know before you could bring on somebody who's a capital raiser but now you know someone who can bring equity must be able to do other things on the team um you know what what how, how are you uh i guess handling handling that i mean yeah, I'm not necessarily talking about just capital raising. I'm just talking about positioning yourself as you know what you what you what you can do, what you can provide for individuals. You know, I'm talking about you know like myself, like like this deal that we the first the 40 unit. I mean, it was myself, it was my my partner. We both could bring capital to the deal. We found another person, um, and then with that core group, we 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 came together and said, you know, we can go we can go you know sponsor deals together, and so we promoted ourselves as you know a key you know, as a sponsor at that point because. We, you know, we, you know, I had a collective of individuals that had capital, and we position ourselves as sponsors. So when now it was all of a sudden when you're a sponsor, you've got individuals that are out there finding deals that are actually bringing them to you so that you can sponsor. So that's one of the things that I did. One of the first things I did in the Dave Lindo program was I went to what they have, what they call as a sponsorship event, where you can go there and find individuals like myself who can sponsor a deal for you, who can bring capital, bring earnest money deposit, that type of a thing. And, and, and all of a sudden now you're in the game, you can go, you can go buy it, you can find a building. Okay, that's great. Um, but the next year I came back as a sponsor because I saw the guys that were there had everybody at the event bringing them deals. And that's the position that, that you want to be in. You want to be in the position where people are bringing you deals and not the guy that's just solely looking. So now... <laughs> 75% of my deals are from individuals who want to do their first, second, or third deal. And 25% of our deals are from deals that we find ourselves with our own brokers. And so that's kind of how, that's kind of how I got more deals coming my way. So then in terms of equity position, I think that was the thing that I was, I was saying, you know, before you could say, okay, me, my partner and somebody else, and we're JV in this deal, you know, 33 and a third you know, is what our positions are going to be. Do you work that out, you know, when you, before you receive the deal or you work that out after you get that, you just say, I, I have something. Uh, no. So if you're, if we're talking about somebody who's bringing us a, a deal, I work it out deal by deal because it really is deals. It's deal specific. And it's, it, it depends on, you know, what exactly I'm required to do, what exactly that person can or cannot do. And so it, we kind of, I always sit down with individuals and I kind of have a, you know, I do, I, 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 I do the uh, Michael Blanc method where he splits everything up and kind of says, okay, you do this part. I do this part. That's worth this amount of, you know, uh, you know, so I kind of do it like that. And, and and, you know, and I try to, you know, like I said, I sit down with each and every, each person and we go through that and we, we try to figure out where, where we sit. Yeah, I understood. Well, listen, thank you for that. And so for those who are listening, the Michael Blanc thing that he's talking about is if you go to the syndicated deal analyzer that Michael gives is a spreadsheet that helps you to analyze the deal. Uh, there is a tab that's there. I think it's called the returns tab where you can scroll down and actually divvy out you know, if somebody brings capital, how much their percentage could potentially be. And uh, it's a nice little waterfall in the way of being able to figure out equity uh, positions, if you will, in a particular deal. Again, I don't get anything from this. Uh, again, we both 
uh, Dan, Daniel and I met at a Michael Blanc event uh, several years ago. And so uh, we're, we're bullish on, on, on those tools. Um, now, in terms of uh, analyzing those deals when they come to you, do you analyze them or do you have a staff now that's analyzing those deals? How, how does that work out? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're quite busy these days. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I don't analyze the deals anymore. I, I have an underwriter that does that um, now. And so, um, you know, all the information goes to them. They put it together nice and, and fancy. And then, that, then that's when I come in and look at it. Got it. Got it. Cool. So then if you as long as you have your underwriting under under uh, under wraps, then you can go underwriter to underwriter and then Daniel will, will step in. Um, yeah. How do they get in contact with you? If, you know, if they have a deal that they want to bring to you, Daniel? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, just e email is fine. Um, Daniel at um, missionbaycp.com. That's fine. Okay. Just reach out. So hint, if you need money to do a deal and you think you have a deal, contact Daniel. You can contact me too. I mean, we've got things and we have, act, but we're interviewing. Okay. So let me, let me turn it a little bit. Let me spin it oh, a little okay. bit. Okay, there we go. There we go. In your favor. Okay. If you have a deal to do, contact Jonathan because he has a team of individuals that can sponsor your deal. Right? This is true. This okay. is true. That's, that's how I want you to present it from here on out. That way, now all of a sudden, you just worked your way into the deal, right? Absolutely. Thank you and so now much. You're, now you're on the GP, and now you're getting credit for Now you've got people bringing you deals. That's right. the goal. And there have been a couple of situations already recently where uh, we've been asked, I've been asked to, to be a part of um, uh, uh, GP, GP sides. And so yeah. we're still working through that. Uh, but yes, please feel free to bring them to me. Thank you so much. Dan. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he knows how to, you know, you, you got a good go giver spirit. That's really good. There you go. There you go. Well, you've done you've done so well since 2013, and uh, as I mentioned to you off camera, you know, I've I've watched you for a couple of years and watched how you flow, and you're pretty under the radar, pretty low key. Uh, you don't even notice that he's in the room, but you know, this man <laughs> is quite successful. Uh, in multifamily, and uh, he's in the room with a bunch of other gurus, etc. And you know, every now and then somebody might say, "Oh, I know Daniel," and then he'll have a group of people, you know, <laughs> circling him, trying to get his uh, get his attention. Yeah, but your company has has, has shifted a little bit recently um, from our conversations. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, and really, it was kind of facilitated by uh, COVID, to be quite honest. I mean, we were right in the middle of closing a deal, which, which was our last deal. And that was, uh, to be quite honest, it was March of uh, 2020, right? When everything was shutting down and we almost completely lost the deal. You mm -hmm. know, lenders were pulling out. And at the time, you know, I'll just kind of go through that story real quick and tell you how, why we transitioned. But at the mm -hmm. time, you know, uh, you know, it was like the week before, a week before everything shut down in March. On a Monday, the lender called and said, hey, you know, your, your loan is still on, but, you know, you might have to bring some money to the table uh, with with extra, you know, debt service. You had to bring a couple of months of debt service to the table as, as a reserve. And I said, okay, well, that's that's fine. And then on a Wednesday, it was another call. Well, your deal almost got axed by the committee, but it's still on. Now you got to bring six months. And I'm like, okay, this is getting, this is getting, this is getting uh, scary here. It's <laughs> yeah, and then the next day, well, all it was one week, the very next day, okay, Daniel, if you want this deal to go, you got to bring a full year's worth of debt service to the table. <laughs> like, oh gosh. <laughs> so luckily we were able to, you know, we were able to swing it. We were able to get it closed. But at that time I was like, you know what? I don't, I got to, we got to, we got to step back a little bit. And it was just a perfect transition to step back, 
and we actually ended up hiring a consultant and uh, to come in and look at our company to kind of help us do a couple of strategic things. One of them was to find an equity partner. Um, and oh, and one, another one was to help us uh, ramp up our syndication uh, efforts. And, 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 and those were the two, two main, main things that we did was to, was to really raise capital. So we had, had to come in, look at our company, kind of restructure things, put some initiatives on the books. And um, we came out of that actually with, with an equity partner that, um, um, that we're, we, we believe is going to help us uh, significantly grow. So we're pretty excited about that. Pause. But there's, a, there's a couple of things through here. So, it, 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 you, so okay. So did you did you wind up closing on the deal? Because you had to bring a year's worth of. Uh, so you had that in reserve somewhere, or you had to bring on more people. You had to syndicate and raise some more money in order to bring that money in. Yeah. So so lessons 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 learned over the over the course of all these deals that I was talking about. Um, always come in with a large reserve number, operational reserve. I always come in with an operation reserve because I don't, you know, I like to, I like to have as little stress on my life as possible, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so we actually, what was your operating reserve though? What was, what was 600,000 your... on this deal? Oh my gosh. Um, okay. So that was just for PPI, principal and interest. Well, well, so that was our reserve that we have programmed into our into our um, underwriting as okay. The management has six hundred thousand dollar war chest that if something right. happens, we be, we can reach to it. It just so happens we had to bring a year's worth of debt service to the deal, and that that was a little bit over five hundred thousand. So oh, five hundred thousand yeah. of that six hundred thousand went over to the lender, <laughs> and now okay. all we have is like ninety two thousand for our war chest. I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> I don't know how well I'm going to sleep if everything is shutting down. <laughs> So how so how much a door was that? How much a door was that? That was like how much was the purchase price? In terms of your operating reserve, when you normally go, some people generally do. I have heard on average one um, the average monthly rent for the entire unit. Right? They take that, multiply that times the number of units, and they use that as an operating reserve. Is that how you calculate your operating reserve, or do you use a different formula? I typically use it. Um, I typically use it with regards to debt service. Uh, you know, a num okay. certain number of men months of debt service. Okay. Um, and at that time, it was a, a year's worth of debt service. Luckily, and I, I don't know why. I mean, I, so what, what? And really, it's kind of a feel thing, okay. because what we do is obviously, you know, as as operators and as as, as uh, syndicators, we're going to set up the underwriting conservatively. Okay. And then one of the things we're going to add to, to, you know, to even make it more conservative is that operational reserve, because we want to make sure that, you know, again, we can sleep at night. And so we're constantly playing with that number. That's one of the numbers that we're constantly playing with to get to the return numbers to, to investors. And so, we're, you know, the higher you can make that number for us, the better. And luckily, it worked out for us in that in that regard. So. Good, good. Now, the last I heard, and I think that it has changed um, at the height of the pandemic, um, the reserves for the lender were 18 months of principal and interest if the purchase price was under 6 million and uh, a year of taxes and a year of insurance. So those numbers have decreased now, as I understand. So please check with whoever your mortgage underwriter is and uh, do that. Di Daniel yeah. nor I are mortgage underwriters. Yeah. Uh, neither one of us is an attorney. Neither one of us is a financial <laughs> advisor or an accountant. So. Yeah. Just understand this information is uh, we're just giving this to you as, as we're seeing it 
right now. That's great, man. So now in terms of an equity partner, you going out and reaching out for an equity partner, you had equity partners. I mean, you know, you were doing syndications. So you, so, and so you had that group of people that we just talked about earlier who could help you fund your deals. Describe, you know, I, I, I don't want you to give away your secret sauce, but describe to us a little bit more about who this equity partner was. Yeah, I mean, so so we kind of felt that you know it was it would be good to have you know multiple paths um, to raise capital. One of them obviously is doing the syndication, which we, we, we you're right we have we have a, a, a good um, kind of um, database of investors in that regard. But we also wanted to have the capability to go to a larger deal if we if we if 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 we wanted to. Um, that's something that's kind of more difficult to raise with a syndication. You want to you want to have a you know a single check writer or or maybe one or two check writers. And so we kind of we kind of uh, you know searched out for for somebody that built fit our kind of company and our kind of you know structure and 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 so that's kind of what we did. We have a, we have an equity partner that's a kind of a single check writer. Good, good, good. That works. That works. And then you put in some additional syndication efforts. You you beefed that up a little bit more. Um, can you share which system you're using to to manage all of your uh, your CRM, if you will? Yeah. Um, so Christine Jefferson, my business partner, handles a lot of that. And I, if I say it wrong, because I know we just that was part of the that was part of the consulting effort also was to kind of set us up in that regard, the technology part of it. And I think we use Active Campaign. Okay. I'm pretty sure we use Active Campaign and we use yeah. um, Asana. Um, so mainly Active yeah. Campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Asana is probably more for your project management and yeah. then Active Campaign is more of your CRM for people. Yes, so, yes. Yeah, I've used both of them. I also, from a project management perspective, I use Trello mm -hmm. uh, as one of my project management tools. Trello is free, Asana mm -hmm. is free. So you can get those tools if you need them for project management. I probably should start doing a bunch of videos on stuff, technology stuff. I just yeah. recently did a bunch of technology stuff with another organization and maybe we'll reveal that in a little bit. Um, yeah, and we'll just put something out there. I'm thinking about adding that to my platform um, some of the technology that, you know, we've been able to do. That's my background is technology. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so now that you guys have been repositioned, you're in place, you've got your single check writer, you've got your syndication stuff, you know, beefed up and whatever, how many units do you guys have under management and, uh, what is How does it, what dollar amount does that represent for you guys? Yeah. We, we, um, so we've, we've sold one or two so far, but we had about, you know, as of the beginning of this year, we had, you know, right almost 1500 doors, and um, uh, so yeah, and it, 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 about one hundred and fifty million dollars in assets. It's pretty. It's pretty steep, everyone. <laughs> okay. Pretty steep. Thank you so much, Daniel. Okay. So, so, so where where are you going now? I mean, you've sold a couple already this year. Um, before I ask you where, yeah, let me let me ask where you're going because I got a, other questions I want to ask you too. So where are you going now? What, what's what's the next goal? Are you trying to get back to 1,500 doors, or you want to bust through 2,000? Where are you going now? Yeah, I don't know if we have a, a you know kind of a number of units, uh, kind of a goal, um, <clears throat> but um, you know certainly we we'll want to do better than we did, you know than we did last year and just kind of keep improving. I think what came, what we came out of our initiative, uh, our initiatives out of our, 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 out of our company review was, you know, we wanted to do maybe $60 million in, in, in okay. deals this year. And so that's kind of maybe the number that we're looking at. I think we're going to go, I think we're going to, I personally want to go higher than that. That was just kind of a baseline, but I'm going to, yeah, I'd like to go higher. Mm -hmm. So. And so what markets are you, uh, are you tracking right now? 
We, uh, you know, we've always been in the mid-Atlantic. We've always been kind of in the Southeast. Um, we're in the Carolinas, Georgia, I'm just now looking into some markets in Florida um, and uh, Texas. Got it. So, so people have been, you know, kind of thinking, well, I won't call names um, in the industry, but people have been thinking about, you know, there may be some doom and gloom because the moratorium is going to be lifted soon. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you think that we're going for a crash and a correction? Uh, because, you know, cap rates have been, you know, heavily compressed in a lot of the markets out there. You know, I remember back in 2017, 2018, where you can get a, you know, C-class multifamily unit for an eight cap. The, good luck trying to find, you know, even half that almost yeah. um, for a C-class. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting, just depending on who you're talking to in the industry. But in, in many regards, it feels like we're we're at the top, obviously, in many markets, you know, across the nation. But at the same time, there's a shortage of affordable housing, uh, out, you know, out, 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 you know, out there. And um, and the in the in the um, kind of the dynamics or the kind of the, you know, the underlying um, facets of I'm sorry. Okay. Of, of multifamily, you know, the dynamics there are still strong. And so, so mm -hmm. there could be a, there could be a scenario where, where multifamily kind of uh, is, uh, continues to, to move forward, even, you know, continues to move forward without having a correction for, for a while. Now, who knows? I, I mean, I, you know, I have no idea exactly how long, but, um, but yeah, that, I've heard that being spoken. So it, 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 it would, it would appear that there is a, a glut of, of evictions coming from my perspective, from what I've been reading and researching. However, it seems like that glut of evictions that happens, there is a group of other people that are poised to kind of fill, fill those gaps. So, um, yeah, I mean, so I mean, if if I were to just go by what we're what we're seeing in our own portfolio, we're, you know, we're not having an, a, a significant issue with 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 keeping it leased up. Um, and to be quite honest, like you said at the beginning, we're not having a significant issue with collections other than that one property that almost you know that almost didn't get done in March of last year. Um, but um, but even in that property, we're still sitting sitting uh, over ninety percent collections, and so. Um, you know, we're, we're not having a huge challenge there. I mean, in some markets, we're even pushing rents. And so, yeah, I was, I'm not gonna say we're not having a huge challenge, because obviously, it's, it's challenging out there. I'm just saying that, it, it, you know, that we haven't had, you know, a significant impact with regards to, um, you know, finding tenants, qual you know, finding tenants to, to, to lease up the properties. Got it. Well, um, you know, this has been a very good interview. Again, the one I've been waiting for, as I mentioned before, you know, you you have, uh, you know, been noticed, even though you're quiet and in the background. And uh, great to hear that you guys were able to reposition successfully, uh, even in the midst of, you know, a pandemic. Um, so, you know, what I always ask my, uh, <laughs> my people at the end of the conversation is, give us the boot. What is the one or two things? What kind of advice would you give us uh, or the listeners to be able to spur them on to uh, to do something in multifamily or to do better in multifamily. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say you know I kind of uh, alluded to it at the beginning, and that is you know you. And I hate to use a cliche, but you kind of got to fake it until you make it, and that, and I kind of did that. I, I I really did. I mean, I mean, I, like I said, I positioned myself with, with this. I mean, I did have what I talked about. 
but it may not have been such a you know uh, you know cohesive group at the time but yeah. i you know i had capital that i could t turn to and that kind of thing you know and i had a little bit myself but you know that's neither here nor there but it really is you know the capital that you, so it's position yourself to, to, to if you're really looking for a deal position don't don't think that you have to do it on your own you know it's position yourself with a team um to kind of have you know multiple people bringing you deals so that you can kind of get you can you can kind of look through multiple deals at a time excellent well listen daniel again thank you again for your for your time and if there's anything that we can do here at red boot to help your company or uh please feel free to reach out at any given time okay appreciate it jonathan thank okay. you thank you